This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here. If you're a first-time guest, whether you're watching or you're here in person, we're so glad you're here. Worship, wow, was amazing today, right? So beautiful. And and I just knew there was going to be just such a beauty today as we were back in the back just praying and just feeling the sensitivity of God for every heart that's in this room today. And, you know, a lot of times I can, I can be passionate in the way that I speak. Um, and just because I'm really, it's sincere. It's, it's what you see is what you get from me. That's just the real Darren. But I want to, even before I begin today, I just want to say, like, there's such a tenderness of the Father's heart here today for each of you. There really is. It's such a beauty that he wants to just come and he wants to, he wants to show us some things today. I've, I've titled my message as we're looking at impacting the world. Um, that's our series that we've been in. I've titled the message Voices of Babylon. And we're gonna, you're gonna see where I'm going here with this. But I, 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 wanna, I wanna give us some insight into spiritual concepts that we often don't really understand. Um, one of them that we're gonna look at today and then we're gonna look at a specific aspect um, of this terminology that God wants to give us understanding is the concept of repentance. Repentance. We hear that a lot. It's, it's a Christian term. It's, it's, it's in the church. There's people that preach about it. But I'm really asking for the Lord to actually give us just his heart and his eyes on what repentance is all about. And, and let's make this relevant to us today. Do you remember when um, Jesus voluntarily, this is an amazing thought. It wasn't like he needed to do this. It wasn't like circumstances forced this. But he voluntarily put himself in a place of weakness. Where for 40 days, he ate no food and drank no water. As a man. For sure he was God, but he gave up all divine rights and privileges, right? When he came to be an example for us and to be a sacrifice for us, to open up the way back to the Father again. Now, 40 days without food is possible. 40 days without water is impossible. I think there's only a certain number of days that that you can go without water. But imagine the weakness just over his, his physical frame, not having eaten for 40 days, 40 nights. Probably on some level sleep deprived and And then he's led by Holy Spirit. The Bible says to be tempted of the the adversary. And and the word there, we think it's like this um, pass-fail testing. But it actually means to be proven. To be proven for who he actually was. Can you imagine like everything that he had given his life to up to that moment of being led into this dire circumstance... The father was going to prove to Jesus and in doing so, prove to the world who he actually was. I loved what Yvonne was saying this morning about just just having that identity rooted in the father, right? And just being secure in that. 
I think God wants to do that in us today, even as we look at, 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 at this message today, Voices of Babylon. But he's, he's proven in that. Now listen, when he comes out of the wilderness, it's important to note, he begins to preach the gospel of the kingdom, by the way. And he says this, he says to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you remember that? And repentance, what it means is to have perspective. To have a change of mind where you're thinking one way and God by his grace through Holy Spirit comes and, and touches our hearts where we now think another way. Listen, I was just this past week with a group of leaders here in, in, in Broward County. And these are incredible men and women of God that are some of the, the just most legit leaders I've ever known. And we were sitting in this meeting together. And we were going around the room, and, and there, was, there was the question that was asked, hey, how has God surprised you in the last 18 months, and how have you been challenged in this time? And without going into all those answers, what I saw coming forth out of the mouths of all these beautiful people was dependency on Jesus, dependency on God. What have I learned? What have I come to understand? What have I, have I been made aware of? How has my perspective sharpened? How am I seeing things more clearly? And it wasn't really anything related to all these ministry endeavors, programs and, you know, vision and planning. Although all those things are good and well, what was amazing for me to see and to hear was that there was perspective as it related to being dependent upon God again. Okay, if we're, if we're talking like God doing something that maybe we've never seen in a generation. Do you believe that? Come on, do you have anticipation for that? The bedrock for that is repentance and saying, God, without you, we can't do it. Have you ever felt weakness before? Have you ever felt weakness to, to manifest your spirituality out there in the midst of depravity? I mean, I was watching the news this morning and, you know, as I was having some interaction with a friend that's done ministry in Afghanistan and you see the you know, the, the, the troops of, gosh, I forgot even the name. I'm just blanking out here. What is it? Taliban closing in as, as America has exited. I mean, can you imagine being a believer in that country? If they find a Western number in your phone, they're just killing these Christians just without even blinking an eye. Can you imagine like, the thought of, oh my gosh, how can I manifest my spirituality in the midst of this kind of depravity? And really, that we see the epitome and darkness of religion apart from God in, in Islam. I'm just going to say it. It's just dark. It's just completely depraved. Can you imagine? Well, in our own ways here, I, I know because I saw this in the lives of these leaders in the region. If we're feeling out of the pressure of the last 18 months, dependency, right? Earthquake in Haiti. I mean, every, things are, be, it's just, you just look around, you look at what's going on. It's like, 
God, we have need of you. And we don't know how we're going to be able to manifest the spirituality of Jesus in heaven that's on the inside of us in the midst of all this stuff going on. You ever thought that way? Because if you haven't, listen, I I guarantee you will, and you're not alone. So we're going to look at at what was going on even in the nation of Israel uh, back in the day, all right? But before we jump into that, I want to just say, man, God is calling us to be both faithful and fruitful in our existence here on the earth, right? It's both. Faithful is where we start, man, taking what we're learning here on Sunday and connecting it to Monday. Fruitful is then when we do that, things start to align according to the things we see in the word as it relates to the kingdom. That is a promise for us. That is happening and is going to continue to happen. So as we're faithful, we will be fruitful. And if you feel a little pruned right now, you ever you feel cut back a little bit? We were talking about that in this meeting. You know, when you feel cut back, a lot of times the enemy could whisper in your ear, oh, look at you, who are you? You feel barren. You feel like you're not really producing anything right now. Wrong answer. He actually prunes because you were bearing fruit. It's the very, it's the very uh, acknowledgement of God himself that you were doing something significant. And now he's going to get more. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he's going to get more. Fruitful, fruitful and faithful because we're a church. We're a family that's on mission. Now, here's the deal. I just want to just a couple thoughts and just to get our perspective because we're going to shift and move out of these uh, measures of wrong thinking. The church historically has withdrawn itself from cultural engagement and built walls instead of bridges. We've done that and we've got to own that. That's not the perspective that God wants us to have. Because if we isolate ourselves, withdraw and become absent, listen, no one is going to listen to us because we've become irrelevant. Right? We don't really have anything to say because we're not engaged in the process. Also, beyond that, there's other extremes. We could become a protesting system, right? And just protest what we see is wrong and then not do anything about it. That's not what we're supposed to do, right? Nor are we to be a cultural church which adopts the ways of this world and become just like the brokenness of it. So we need to get perspective in what God wants to do so that we don't lose our position of being salt and light, which is what will bring transformation by the grace of God. Now, this tension is as old as the nation of Israel, okay? Like, if you're feeling it today, this has been going on for some time. So here's what I want to set up. I want to, I want to turn to, um, to, to uh, Psalm chapter 137, and as we do... Um, I want to set the context up. There, there, for those living in Jerusalem, which by the way, and I, I need you to catch this definition up front, which is called the city of peace, where God, you know, made his home, um, the absolute unthinkable happens. Absolutely unthinkable. And I'm sure for them it was just mind-blowing, all right? They, 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 they are conquered by the Babylonians and then they are taken into exile back to Babylon. Okay, true story. This isn't just, you know, made up stuff. It actually literally happened. Now, if you think about the irony of this, Babylon is the anti-type of Jerusalem. 
If Jerusalem is the city of peace, Babylon is anything but peaceful. If Jerusalem is where God abides, Babylon in the perspective or mindset of the Israelites at the time is, is where God doesn't abide, right? But yet they're conquered and they're taken into captivity. And as they're in captivity, they're sitting by the rivers of Babylon. And we'll pick it up there in the psalm because the Babylonians heard rumors about the songs that these Israelites sung back home in Jerusalem. Look what, he's, look what goes on here. Look what, what, what is recorded in Psalm chapter 137, verses 1 through 4. It says, Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept. Sorrow was over their hearts. As we thought of Jerusalem. Next verse, we put away our harps. In other words, we just kind of resigned. We just kind of gave up singing our songs. We put away our hearts, hanging them on branches of poplar trees. Next verse, for our captors demanded a song from us and our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs from Jerusalem. Now verse four is where it really comes down and we, we get some perspective here. How can we sing? They ask this question. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while living in a pagan land? Let's just put that in our vernacular. Lord, how can I be a Christian in the midst of my business that is anything but Christian? How can I be a teacher in the midst of a school system that maybe isn't aligned with the ways of the Lord? How can I be fill in the blank a believer in my neighborhood that has all kinds of darkness, how can I be the light of the world moving to South Florida because there's so much darkness here? I remember when we first were coming down here, there was so much fear put on us as we were moving to South Florida. Man, the school systems are bad. It's too expensive to live there. The godlessness in Miami is just rampant with all the club scene, you name it, da 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 da. And I was, I was weeping one day, if you will, when my friend from California called me and I was telling him how strong and big the devil was and he put everything in proper perspective and he said, man, if that's the depth of darkness that's in that region, it just shows me the potential glory of the light of God that he wants to break through. See, nothing is messed with unless there's potential. So God is, in a sense, putting us in captive cities as those that are called to express the light of the world because he has a song that he wants us to sing in Babylon. And many of us have hung our harps up on trees and we're weeping because our perspective is not right and God wants to bring repentance to us so we can begin to see things a little more clearly. They felt incapable of expressing their spirituality in the midst of depravity. Now check this out. This is crazy. God always sends a prophet to speak. He did this all throughout the Old Testament. He's still doing it today to give repentance through perspective. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's turn there. Now we've all, this is a, this is a verse that we all put on our refrigerators. <laughs> for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Refrigerator verse, right? But what we don't understand is the context of this verse. 
If you reverse and go back, you know, into verses four through six, look at this with me, okay? He's actually speaking to the Israelites who have been captive in Babylon. Look what he says. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Now, whenever you see verses like that in the word of the Lord, where it talks about the, the Lord of heaven's armies, it's, it's, like, it's like game on. It means like, listen, we're going to see something break through here right now when you get this perspective. It's a warfare vo- uh, verse of a war that's already been won. It's not like he's given us this verse, okay, gear up, because listen, breakthrough's gonna come, but it's gonna be a real struggle. No, listen, Jesus has put the enemy on full display, a spectacle of him conquering him as he rose up out of death, hell, and the grave, right? So he's just basically saying, hey, listen, there's perspective for you. The Lord of heaven's armies is speaking because he wants you to wake up out of where you've been. So he says to him, instead of retreat to North Carolina, Instead of go build a tiki hut in the, in the midst of the Everglades. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of what they produce. Okay, now he's starting to go somewhere with this. Marry and have children, verse six, find spouses for them that you may have grandchildren. Multiply, it's talking about life upon life. Multiply and do not dwindle away. Okay. Now here's where he's gonna blow their minds, being from Jerusalem, the city of peace. Verse seven, look at this. And work For the peace and prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. Now, this is crazy. He says, pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Come on, have we ever prayed curses over the ungodly? Have we ever just said wipe, you know, and listen, the Lord's saying, listen, move on in, begin to leaven those, those, the grounds of that place with seed where, where crops begin to grow, begin to come into agreement with what I have for those places. For in its welfare, your welfare will begin to manifest. You're not shrinking back. You're moving forward in what I have for you. Some versions would say for in its peace, you will find peace. And the word peace there is the word shalom, which literally means wholeness or completeness. Jerusalem is way more than a place in Israel. It's a reality of wholeness that lives in our heart through Christ. Come on, are we the city of God? Are we the, are the, we the mountain of the Lord that's being exalted over all the nations where even kings are gonna come to the brightness of its rising? That place where peace and shalom and wholeness is manifest through a people? You know, I love the African proverb that it takes a village to raise a child. Do you agree with that? It takes a village to raise a child. My question is, who's gonna raise the village? In other words, it's our responsibility as believers to raise this city 
to raise other people who will raise future generations for the glory and goodness of the Lord. If the church is absent from the world, meaning church, meaning you, me, us, then a humanistic, anti-kingdom way of thinking is going to infiltrate right on into that space by means of our abdication. And at the end of the day, we can't blame anybody for that except for ourselves because we haven't repented. We haven't seen properly what God is wanting to do. Is this making sense to anybody? I don't know. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, all right? Now, here's the deal. I want to give you some practical things. There's three dimensions to society or culture. Number one, spiritual. Number two, systematic. Number three, social. Think of spiritual. This is where the lostness is for real within regions, within nations, within parts of the world. And this is where faith needs to rise. In fact, one of the things that Jesus asks is, will he find faith on the earth that is coming? Why? Because spiritual lostness is a real deal, and he's wanting to raise up faith within the believers in these moments. Ain't no COVID can take our faith down. Ain't no whatever going on politically or socially or whatever can pull our faith down. Faith is rising in his church. Because of the lostness, whenever the darkness comes in like a flood, that man, God raises up a greater standard. Which standard are we believing in? The standard of Adam's brokenness or the standard of Jesus' victory? Have faith. You're going to have faith in something. Might as well have faith in what actually has won, what has beaten, what even though there's death, there's even greater life that has come through this one named Jesus. We've been connected to the Father. What about systems, systematic stuff? Come on, you ever been to the DMV locally in South Florida? That's a broken system, okay? I, I actually, it's so weird. When I go into the DMV in South Florida, I literally feel like I'm going to lose my salvation. I feel like all of hell, there's more demons in the DMV, okay? Because it's a broken system. What would it look like to see people raised up that start to construct godly systems that begin to bring transformation to systemic brokenness in culture? Come on, that's why I believe God's putting people in key positions in different parts of different spheres of society. Because he wants to take the broken systems and put God in the midst of those systems to see transformation begin to come. And that's where hope takes place. Hope! Believing that there can be a better future for us. That things don't have to always remain broken. Right? That's where we start rescuing, you know, the whole, the whole social pain, which is the last dimension of society, which brings pain. We, we go and we answer those cries. We, we pull the people out of the river as they're drowning. But systematic brokenness, we go upriver and we find out who's throwing them in. So God is wanting us to, to, to engage all three dimensions of society according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and Hebrews chapter 10. I've preached on this, that the faith, love, and hope components are what will last forever. When we're talking about getting back to the basics, we're talking about this very reality. We're not, we're, let's cut the fluff. Let's cut all the, the stuff that's been a part of church that really doesn't really make any difference. And let's say, hey, here's what we're going to lean into a little while and start to see God do something beyond our own ability to manifest it. 
Now there's three agencies. If there's, if there's three dimensions to society, there's three agencies that God's raising up to impact it. Here they are, take notes, write this down. Number one, missional communities. What I mean is families of God that are on mission, like what we're here doing at Harbor. We're a missional community. We're together, we're moving in one direction towards true north, transformed people who will begin to transform culture. We're a missional community. But let's, let's, let's just kind of distill this down. You can't ultimately be a missional community unless you have second uh, tier is missional individuals, people who are on mission themselves, connecting Sunday to Monday, right? Missional individuals. And then what we realize is that we're part of a greater missional ecosystem. How many of you know Harbor in and of itself? Like I meet people all the time, they think they themselves are gonna save the whole world. I Actually, we used to think that back in the early days, me and our team. We'd have eight-hour meetings about the 12 zones around the world that we were gonna conquer for the love of God. I appreciate, I'm sure the Lord was just like, oh man, son, that's awesome. Your zeal is amazing. But you can be zealously wrong, you know? And not that you're not gonna change the world, but you're a part of, listen, I was just down, I was telling somebody, I was down in Miami on Friday night. Hispanic church, mostly made up of Colombians and Venezuelans, and I wanna take a few of you guys with me next time we go back in October. But these are friends of Harbor. It was the same DNA. It was the same spirit. They spoke Spanish. I was gonna say Latino. That's not even a language. They spoke Spanish. But it was like they were a part of the same tribe. And I was like, Lord, yes, these guys are down in Miami. And I was just like telling them, you guys are awesome. This is amazing what you're doing. Praise the Lord. Because he's raising up people within a greater missional ecosystem. Come on, remember the, what was the guy, he was like, I'm the only one that hasn't bowed my knee to Baal. And right, remember the prophet back in the day? And, he, and the Lord's like, listen, there's like a few thousand of you guys that are out there. You just don't know any of them yet. Get connected because God's raising up world changers. Even if it looks like a Gideon army that's been paled back from 30,000 to 300, there's still an army, okay? And it's more than you, all right? Thank God, right? I said this the other week, the church does not have a mission. The Father's mission has a church. And all we need to do is find out what he's doing. Like, where have, we, where have we failed as we've gone on our mission, our kingdom-building endeavor, apart from fathers? His mission has a church. We don't have a mission. We gotta find out what God is up to, what he's doing. In fact, you know, I wanna align, this is where I'm at, I wanna align everything to that mission as, as it relates to worship, teaching, prayer, building relationships with each other and harbor home groups coming in larger gatherings. All of this is preparation for the mission, which exists outside of any four walls, any meetings, any prayer times, any gatherings, any small groups, any of that. It exists outside of those spaces. All right, wrapping this up. So as we conclude, I wanna just show you what I believe God is doing and how we're positioned in him for this moment. Look at this in Ephesians chapter one. Let the word of God pierce our hearts. Verse 20, look what he says. All this energy issues from Christ 
God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne. Come on, somebody, in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power are exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Darren, what's God up to? That's what God's up to. And he's been up to it for 2,000 years. He's just waiting for a generation to see it. All right, next verse. It says he is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. Listen, I looked up that word in the Greek and everything, you know what it means? Everything. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Now we're starting to meddle. Now we're starting to get serious. Darren, you're taking this Jesus thing just a little too seriously. It was so funny when we were back going ministering in Ireland back in the day. We had all these young people that were just getting radically encountered by God. And they were into drugs and sex and all this kind of stuff. And man, Jesus was pouring himself out on them so strong. All of them were getting fully made whole, delivered completely from all their addictions, all their stuff. And their parents... Now, God bless parents. How many of you know parents can be a little weird? I'm one of those. Come on, somebody. But I mean, their parents who were so into religion in their nation, they were more concerned about their kids being too serious for Jesus than they were about all the stuff that had happened in their life because of him. Can you imagine the perspective that needs to shift? We think, oh my gosh, you know, that's, that's just a little too radical. He's in charge of it all. Final word and everything. And at the center of this, Christ rules the church. He is not peripheral. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, which he speaks and acts by which he feels. Here we go. Everything. That same Greek word with his presence. Okay. So here it is for you and me as we walk out these doors. Jesus, remember he said, Matthew 16, 18, he says to Peter, who was the most inconsistent disciple out of the bunch. Anybody ever felt inconsistent in their walk? Up, down, here, there. Okay, guess what? You're not alone. Peter was the most inconsistent. In fact, his name literally meant all over the board. How would, your name, how would you like to be called? Hey, all, all over the board, you know? <laughs> you're, so, you're so random. You can't get it together. That was his name. That's why he had to recall him Peter. He was Simon before, which means shifting sand is everywhere, just completely promises, breaking promises. Come on, you ever done that? I am promise you get in that hard moment with God. I will keep this. You're white knuckling it in your own strength. I won't do it again, I promise. And the next thing you know, you do it again. And then you feel so condemned. And the enemy's right there. I knew it, you were a loser. I knew you couldn't keep your promise to God. Of course you can't keep your promise to God outside of him helping you to keep it. And he tells him, he says, listen, as Peter gives this revelation, as people are asking about who Jesus is, which by the way, I believe is the question of the ages. Who do people say that I am? And he says, thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus says, flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven, there's been a perspectives change. 
And he said, on this statement, on this confession, on this repentance, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Death and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Now listen, as we wrap this up, the word church there, it literally means legislative assembly. People that have been given authority to go in governmentally in the spirit and change the atmosphere. And it was a term that was a Greek term of what was happening with Rome in the day. They would send an ecclesia, a group of people, apostles, sent ones, to go and reculturalize conquered nations according to the ways of Rome. And they did it. By the end of the year, they were all dressing like Romans, eating like Romans, speaking Roman, eating the food of Romans. And Jesus is like, that's just a little glimpse into what I'm gonna do through you. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. Ambassadors being sent. He didn't say he's gonna build a temple or a synagogue. And all those were relevant at the time. Could you stand up with me all over this place? He said, I'm gonna build my church, an ecclesia. People who, close your eyes with me, who know God. Come on, listen to this. You're gonna know God. You're gonna know the Father through Holy Spirit because Jesus has made a way. Secondly, you're gonna love people because you love yourself as Christ loves you. And then you're gonna go and you're gonna be faithfully obedient to show up on Monday and bring impact to your world. Could we just, as we close, could we just, in whatever form of posture, for me, my hands are lifted because I wanna just say I surrender once again. I wanna say, Lord, we need you today. We need your perspective in our weakness. Come on, we, don't, don't try to say how strong you are, how powerful you are, how you got it all together. Just, conf, just say, listen, I don't have what it takes in my own ability. And as I'm brought into that wilderness by you and I feel completely overwhelmed, Lord, I have need of you to give me perspective for you to give me the ability to see correctly. Can you imagine Jesus had the enemy quoting the very word of God perfectly, yet it was done in the wrong spirit? How much of that is happening today? Words that sound good, they sound right, but they're not right. And something in your spirit just cries out, no, that's not right. But then we're being pulled into it. Holy Spirit, we need you to comfort us in our weakness and to give us the ability to see clearly. Come on, could you all over this room just ask him, Holy Spirit, we need your help. You live on the inside of us. Increase the, the, the potency of who you are to us out of relationship. Father, take us in your arms. Hold us as your sons and daughters. Speak to us our identity. 
Speak to us our value. Speak to us our worth. Come on, all of this. Speak to us who we are. Speak to us our value. Speak to us our worth. Let us take upon ourselves that new name, just like Peter did. Let us take upon ourselves, not the name that the world has given us, but the name that you have given us, sons and daughters of the living God. And even now, God, we begin to pray for the peace of this city. Come on, all over this room. We begin to pray for wholeness to begin to manifest from the south of Miami-Dade. Let's go ahead and extend it all the way down to the south of the Keys and just take it right on up the eastern seaboard, Lord, and begin to manifest your shalom. We are gonna sing the songs of Babylon. Lord, in this day, we're gonna lift up, we're gonna pick our harps up off that tree and we're gonna begin to dream again. We're gonna begin to sing again. God, we're gonna begin to believe again. Let faith arise in Jesus' name. Come on. So here's what I want to do as we close. I want you to put your hand over your heart. And I just want to declare rest over your spirit, rest over your mind, over your will, over your emotions, all the turmoil just ceasing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guarding your heart in Christ Jesus. He is the guardian of your heart. Listen, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. You're not only gonna make it, but you're gonna thrive. Just stay connected to the vine, and when he prunes you back, know who you are, even though you feel barren. Stay connected to him, and stay connected to other people. Stay connected to those that are running in the same path. It doesn't mean that you can't be friends with other people, but listen, it's time to draw near to those who are drawing near to God. It's really important. You gotta stay connected to Jesus and to those that are walking with him in this time. It's gonna be very important. As God comes and brings shalom to you, you'll be positioned to bring it to other people. Thank you, Lord, that your shalom lives in this city because we live here. You are here, God. You're in our neighborhoods, you're in our workplaces. We have been exiled there by you to bring change. Let us see it, let us believe it. In Jesus' name, can we give the Lord a hand clap all over this place? He is so good, he's so good, guys. Listen, they're gonna play for a little bit. You're free to hang out, just spend some time with Jesus, but go, go say hey to somebody. Be here next weekend as we introduce our group leaders and just, talk about some beautiful things that are happening in the harbor next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.